Thank you. God is good. All the I don't have a title for my uh, message this morning. I, I couldn't. I tried to turn it on. Okay. Yeah, the light is green. Thank you. I, I uh, tried to pick a title for this message, and I couldn't. Couldn't think of one. So if you uh, want to give it a title, you can after the, the message is over. I have a number of things I'd like to uh, share this morning, and I believe it's, it's going to be an inspiration for you. One of the things that we want to look at is if I go... Back, I don't know how many months it's been since I preached a, uh, a series of messages on the Lord's Prayer. But I've learned something new, and I'd like to share that with you this morning. And that is concerning God. When we look at the Lord's Prayer, uh, we, see, we see God and it says, our Father, which aren't in heaven. That's the way it starts. So I would like to introduce to you this morning the thought that we have two fathers. One is the good father, and one is the bad father. Now, I realize that there are some people here that, that or I, I'm, Maybe I shouldn't say I realize, but I'm, uh, I'll say it this way. There may be some people here that did not have a good father. But in, in the setting that I want to use it, God is the good father. The devil is the bad father. And we have to do with both of them. We choose one or the other, either the good father or the bad father. And while you're waiting and listening, turn your Bibles to the 12th chapter of the book of Revelations. This gives us some information as to some of the things that are going on in our lives today. 
beginning to read in verse 7 of chapter 12 in the book of Revelation. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. And that great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down unto you, having, a, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. So with this knowledge that we have of the scripture here, we know that we have an enemy that is at work in, in trying to uh, uh, steal people away from God or, or to make them uh, uh, uneasy and uncomfortable and not being able to live the Christian life. And he knows that he has just a short time to do this. So our time on this earth is very limited. I suppose that we all have an appointed day when we are going to meet our maker. But that should not scare us. And even the devil should not be able to scare us. The devil likes to, he's called a serpent. And a serpent is, they're a different, they have a different nature, I guess you should say, and they're very sly, and uh, I know when, when I was a little boy at home, we'd go back into the field, and in some of these place, places that were in these fields, there were stones, and we'd like to go and lift the stones and, and move them from the place where they were to another place uh, as boys. And oftentimes there were snakes under these uh, stones. Now these snakes were just, they weren't poisonous or, or anything like that. And it was just kind of fun to try to catch them and, and uh, kill them, you know. But those snakes, when they start crawling, they can really move. But uh, there are other uh, snakes that are bigger, and they're called they're, they're poisonous snakes, like a rattlesnake. They tell me, this never happened to me, but they tell me that you can come upon a rattlesnake without knowing it. They hide themselves. They have a way of hiding. Or you get some other poisonous snakes. And before, you're, before you realize it, you're almost on top of these snakes. And if they bite you, poison, it can kill you. 
So people are very alert, at least to some degree, if they go to a place where there are snakes like that around. Well, the devil is also a sly person. And he likes to camouflage himself to the point where we do not recognize him. He's, he's uh, very sly in, in uh, what he does and what he tries to make us do. And it's, uh, uh, to illustrate this, I'm going to uh, give the illustration of a family that has mice in their house. And they, they want to get rid of the mice. And so they set a trap out there and put some bait on the trap. And, and hopefully this, these mice will get into the trap and get caught. Well, <clears throat> Joe Mouse, he comes along and he sees the trap there. And so not knowing what all a trap does, he goes and gets a hold of the bait and bang, the, the trap snaps, and he's caught. Well, Jim Mouse, he comes along, and he saw what happened to Joe Mouse. And so Joe, uh, Jim Mouse said, well, I know better. I'm not go- going to get caught. I, I can watch myself. And he goes up very gently and tries to get the bait, and bang, that trap snaps, and he's caught. Well, along comes Jane Mouse, and she sees what happens to Joe and Jim Mouse. And she said, I am not going to be that way. I am more sly and slicker than Joe Mouse and Jim Mouse. I can get in there and not get caught. And so she goes up there very gently and tries to get the bait, and bang, she's caught. That's what happens to a lot of people today. I am so slick and sly that I can do things and never get caught. That's what people think today. I will never get caught if if I pursue this or that. And even though they may know and understand the Bible says not to do that, they said, I will do it and not get caught. But I would like to inform you this morning that God sees everything that we do. And we can never say that we're not going to get caught. We're never that slick or that sly or whatever you want to call it that we never get caught. And every time we get caught doing something that we shouldn't, it makes our life more difficult than what it was before. Every time we do something wrong, it's against us. So I have some important things that I'd like to tell you about and, or to teach this morning, and, and I'm going to go over to uh, Luke chapter uh, 16. And in this account, we have a story of a certain rich man. 
in verse 19. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and far sumptuously every day. Now you can imagine this was a rich person. And for people that are rich, they, they kind of enjoy living that way. Living like, well, if it's like Donald Trump. He's not afraid to say how rich he is and how much money he's got. And that's the way rich people are. They kind of like to brag about it just a little bit, you know, because, you know, after all, I've made a lot of money. And I am, I am fairly well set, and, and we're just going to have a good time in our life. And so here, every day he was living good. And probably, with the food that they had, there was a lot of leftovers, and so they just threw it away. Now, some people, when they have leftovers or they have a little extra of something, they give the extra away. And I think maybe the Bible would tell us that we should give the first fruits of the crop, not what's left over, but the first fruits of the crop. And usually when we want to give something to somebody, to somebody, it's leftovers. Stuff that we throw away anyhow. We're liable to give to our friends or our neighbors. Or we don't give them the best. We give them the stuff that we're ready to throw away. Now how do you think God looks at that? When we, the people of God, claim that we love others as ourselves. There was another man mentioned in this particular account. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus. This guy did not have very much. In fact, they laid him at the rich man's gate. And the Greek wording, I guess, that's what they tell me. I'm not a Greek scholar. I don't know how to read it. And it's amazing to me to listen to people that can't even pronounce the words, you know. But they tell me that the word means that they threw Lazarus at the gate and laid him there. And Lazarus was a cripple. He had a lot of sores. And he, he desired the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. But he lay there in misery from day to day. And I suppose that the rich man walked by and he noticed him at times, but he, he walked by so often, so often that it didn't bother him anymore. He was not amazed or at all stirred by this Lazarus laying there. If he would have been, he could have taken him into his house and had a lot to spare. Feed him and still have money left over, probably. But Lazarus laid there and desired the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. And it says that the dogs came and licked his sores. And I don't know, maybe Lazarus didn't even have time or strength to chase the dogs away, to push them away. 
They came and licked his sores. And these were not little kind dogs that you have in your house. They were big dogs that ran around the, the countryside. And they came and licked Lazarus' sores. You know, the, the dogs that some people have in the house, they're, they're nice. And you teach them to be nice and kind and things like that, almost like a person. Only they aren't. But this, this Lazarus, he was there, and the dogs came and licked his sores, and, and I suppose it was painful for him. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angel into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Now listen to the story as it unfolds, because there are some important things that we need to realize about this. Lazarus was carried into, by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Now, I don't know if this means that all people that die, the angels come and get them and carry them to where they're going. I don't know. Maybe you know things like that. <clears throat> but he was in Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. Now, I would, I would almost get out of this that when Lazarus died, they just kind of dumped him out on the dump pile or something. There's nothing said about his funeral, and I don't know that it is about uh, the rich man's. But I would suppose, because he was rich, and what the rich people do, they had a very big funeral. A lot of people came to see this man that died because he was well known in the countryside. He had big money and done things like Donald Trump and things like that, you know, just a lot of things that he did. And wasn't afraid to tell, tell people. So a lot of people came to see him to view his body when he died. And they probably had people carrying him to the grave and a lot of ado made when this person was, was uh, buried. But I don't know what happened to Lazarus. Then it tells us that when this rich man came to the place, uh, hell, I guess it would be, uh, he decided, he said, Father Abraham, would you just please send someone that they may dip their finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, they have the prophets, they have people that, that uh, can talk to them. And he said, no, but if, if, if somebody would rise from the dead, my brothers would listen. And Father Abraham said, no, if they don't listen to the people that are telling them now, they won't listen if they see a miracle. Well, people that are always looking for miracles really aren't that much uh, 
better by seeing a miracle happen. It may be interesting. It may be very touching to see a miracle. It may, it, like it has been here. We've, we've had one lady that was cured from cancer, living good today, enjoying it. Maybe other people that had problems and you've overcome these problems. But, and that's a, that's a great miracle when that happens. But Abraham told the rich man that they, they won't, your brothers won't listen even if somebody rose from the dead and came. And all he said, it's just not possible. I mean, it's, it's, it's just, I don't want my brothers to come to this place. And it's very strange that after this man that was a rich man had no desire for God, I would take it. God was not at all in his vocabulary or his heart or mind or whatever. But he was in hell just a few minutes and he became one of the greatest missionaries that this world has seen. And he begged Father Abraham, please go and tell my brothers. Now we're going to leave that story. And I would like to take you to John. I think it's John. Chapter 10. In this account, we have the uh, story of the shepherd, the sheepfold, and how that some people get into this fold, but they are, they are robbers, a thief and a robber because they crawl over the fence or they don't enter by the door. Jesus is the door. And Jesus said that if the sheep are in there, he will take care of them. He will take care of the sheep that are in the fold. He will provide shelter for them. He will, they can go in and out and find green pastures, find fellowship, find spiritual food. Jesus said that he would provide all this. But one of the things that we get out of this is that, and he said, my sheep hear my voice. I've come to the place where I would really like to be able to hear the voice of God better than I do. And I've told my wife, we talked about it, and I said, how can I understand or hear the voice of God? Other people hear the voice of God, but it doesn't seem like I do. Why can't I hear the voice of God? What do you think she said? She said, you hear it all the time. You hear it all the time. This book tells us that my sheep know my voice. My sheep do not follow a stranger because they don't know his voice. But they follow my voice. And I'll lead them out. So what the message this morning is about is 
is hearing the voice of God. I was going down to <coughs> Kentucky this past week, and uh, I had the GPS on, and I came to a place where the road went to the right or it went to the left, a main highway. And my GPS said that I should turn to the right, and I saw a sign of the city that I wanted to go to, to, to the other direction. But I figured the GPS knows better than I do. So I followed the GPS, and it said turn right on this road. So I turned right, and I go about a half hour up that road, or maybe three-quarter hour, and something seemed to be telling me that this is the wrong direction. Well, I thought maybe it's, I'm spo supposed to go up around and come back down because it could be out a little way from the town that I'm going to. So I went a little farther, and a still small voice in me said, this is the wrong way. The GPS kept telling me to go that way. And inside, I was getting the information, go the other way. So I said, okay. I, I did something that I shouldn't have, but I did it because it didn't look like there was any exit or anything along the way. So there's a place where you, you, the police go around to get on the other side of the street. Well, I was not a police, but I figured, well, Nobody's going to see me anyhow, you know. <laughs> so I made a U-turn with the truck and the trailer and went the opposite direction. And there was no police went around. I, I, I just didn't want to go any farther, so I, I did the obvious. And I went back the other way, and it, it took me to the right place. The GPS didn't, but my better knowledge did. So was that the Holy Spirit speaking to me and telling me, turn around. Turn around. This is the wrong way. But the GPS kept telling me, no, you go the other way. If I ever felt like throwing something out the window, it was at that time that I felt like that GPS has to go. My brothers keep telling me, listen to the GPS. Well, what I'd like to tell you then is this thing about the good father and the bad father. They both want our heart. They both want our lives. So we have got to make some decisions in our life. And we can't be like Jane Mouse and say, I'm more slicker and I'm slyer and I can get away with things. Because every time we do something that's wrong, there is engraved in our life something that makes us feel that we've cheated God. And every time that you feel that you've cheated God, your Christian life 
is not full of joy. You are not full of joy like you could be if you walk with the Lord all the time, if you hear his voice. Now, I'd like to go to Romans chapter 1. And there's a lot of eyes that Paul uses in this chapter. I would like to focus on and leave you with three points here. Chapter 1 of the book of Romans, 14, 15, and 16. If you read this whole chapter, I don't know, but you'll probably find at least 15 or maybe 20 times that Paul uses the word I. And I've heard preachers say that you should never use the word I. So I'm going to use it as Paul used it. In verse 14, he says, this, these are three of Paul's I am. Verse 14 of chapter 1. I am a debtor to both, both to the Greeks and to, to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Now when you are a debtor, you feel responsible when you are indebted to someone, you are responsible to pay that debt. And Paul says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians. Now, we as Gentile people probably come from the Greeks. And the barbarians, I don't know what kind of a mixture of people that is. But I would guess people that don't know the Lord. And a lot of the Greeks don't either as far as that's concerned. But he says that I am a debtor. And when we once get in our life that we, into our heart, that we are indebted. We are in debt to the whole world. We have a debt. That needs to be paid, and only you and I can pay it. No one else can pay it for you. No one else can give you what it takes to pay this debt but God alone. Verse 15, so as much as in me is, I am ready. That's a big mouthful right there. When people say that I am ready. And what Paul is thinking about is to be a witness for his glory. A testimony and a, a preacher, if you please. Uh, you don't always have to be in a church to preach. You can preach to people anytime. So as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also, I am ready to preach. I am ready to speak, Lord, for you. I want to be a testimony for Jesus Christ. Now, some people will say, well, you know me, I, I just don't have the ability to speak. I can't, 
I can't say things right, and I just have a hard time. Is that so? These very same people, when it comes to talking about what they've done, they've got all the abilities and everything that they need. They can tell you right up to the, the latest thing that they've done when they're talking about themselves. But when they're supposed to talk for Jesus, I, I'm just not a good speaker. Isn't that amazing? Doesn't that amaze you that people would be that way? <clears throat> So as much as in me is, I am ready. That's something that we need to understand. Paul said, I am ready. The next thing he says, get this. Verse 16, he says, for I am not ashamed. You know why some people don't speak for the Lord? They're just a little bit ashamed. Maybe they're not, they feel they're not dressed quite right to, to speak for the Lord. Or maybe they, they've got other things and, and it crowds out their, their uh, testimony for the Lord. But Paul says, I am not ashamed of the testimony of God because it is the power of God. When you speak to people, the power of God will change your life. You, you know, you can speak to anyone, anyone, anywhere. You just go down and you say, well, hello there. How are you today? My name is Henry. What's your name? Well, I'm glad to meet you. What do you do for a living? Electrical. You like that? Good. Make a lot of money with that too, don't you? <laughs> do you know the Lord? Well, good. Good. Praise the Lord. You have a good day. Bless you. Yeah, just, you can go talk to anyone. They can say anything they want to, and you'll have something to say. You know, if, if you're working for God, you don't have to. Uh, 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 what are you doing in town? You know, it's, it's like you're ashamed. No, we're not ashamed of the power of God. Paul says, for I am not ashamed of of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is the power of God. So don't be afraid to talk to anybody, whether it's at McDonald's and a lot of times you have to wait anyhow, so you might as well be talking. You know, anywhere, talk to people, be a witness. Tell him that you love Jesus and what would happen if they do? What happens to people that get a knowledge or a touch of God in their life? I've had the greatest times in my life going up through Chicago and I hated it at one time. I hated going through that city. Then I got a vision. I saw all these cars and I wondered where are all these people going? And so the Lord said, well, do something about it. So when I go up to a pay booth, uh, guess what? Those people hear a testimony or they're asked some questions. They'll know that somebody was there that never was there before. And they'll, they'll have a contact with the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll ask them, are you saved? And one man said, no. 
Another lady was there, and I said, are you saved? She said, yes, I am. I said, well, praise the Lord. She said, that's right. And this was a black lady. I told you before, I, I, I love to hear those black people talk about the Lord that they love. They're just exciting. It's so good to hear people talk and answer when they're a friend of Jesus. But when they're not a friend, oh, no, not really. They're just, they're, their life is a drag. They're not excited. They have no life to live that they can enjoy. They think they're enjoying it maybe, but you know that they aren't. So that's what I want to leave you with is these three I am's of the Apostle Paul. I'm a debtor. I am ready. For I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel. And if you're ashamed, you've got some changing to do. You've really got some changing to do because there's nothing better than living for the Lord and sharing the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. Shall we bow our heads for prayer? Our God, this morning, I want to thank you for this group of people that, that you brought here to this meeting house this morning. Father, we have had a good morning in our sharing time, singing, Sunday school lesson. Bless the ones that have taught the lessons and all, all together, we, we just had a, a real good worship service. And we honor you and praise you for your goodness to us. And I want to really thank you for every person inside the doors of this building this morning. And my heart's desire is that no one would be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even though we act like it sometimes, even though we're, we're just very timid and, and uh, don't know what would be the best thing to do, Lord, help us to be kind, to be generous. We saw how the rich man was not generous. He was selfish. He thought he had it made, but he ended up where he did not want to end up. So this morning, Father, there's a group of people here that want to know where we're going to end. When this life is over, I would pray that everyone inside the doors of this building might be able to hear the voice of the shepherd. We would better be in tune with you so that when you speak to us, we are able to listen. We are able to hear and understand. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do with this group of people. We're going to be faithful missionaries here. Every moment is going to count for Jesus. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.